0: Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. This netcast is part of a series from the Fall 2009 Faith and Globalization Seminar. For more on the initiative, visit faithandglobalization.yale.edu.
1: Today we're talking about the beginnings of the public ministry of Jesus, Uh, his um, uh, predecessor John the Baptist, his baptism, and uh, his uh, first sermon in Nazareth. Um, David, what what do you make of of, uh, Luke's report on John the Baptist and uh, his
2: preaching? Well, first of all, Luke is the only one of the Gospel writers who tells us that John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin, and I think that's indicative of the close relationship between the two, that these are uh, people whose ministry is in continuity, not in discontinuity. Like all the Gospel writers, Luke has to deal with John the Baptist, so I think there's a historical reality beyond this. I have no doubt that, that there, there was a very close relationship in the ministry of Jesus to John the Baptist, and that each of the Gospel writers reflects this. But it strikes me that, that, that John does two things, and just as we were talking about last time, there's both continuity and discontinuity, that, that he in some ways proclaims the same gospel of repentance that he's going to, that we're going to hear from Jesus, only Jesus brings it even more, that the issues of justice and mercy that will be there in Jesus' ministry are already foreshadowed in John but also he, he brings Jesus down to the place of baptism where Jesus can be declared as God's own son so that Jesus is in continuity with John and yet immeasurably greater than John and that, that Luke tells us both those things.
1: Mm-hmm. There are two things in that uh, account of uh, John the Baptist that strike me. One is uh, the prophecy that's supposedly being fulfilled in uh, Luke 3, 6, all flesh shall see the salvation yep. of God. Um, that strikes me as a particularly important Lucan theme, right? And then the, the content of, of uh, John's preaching and uh, teaching. What do you make of that? Well, I'm, Lu- I'm the, I'm the,
2: the all flesh, it seems to me, is yes, because one mm-hmm. of the things Luke actually wants to tell us is that, that this gospel will be spread to the ends of the earth. So, what strikes me about the content of the preaching is that it is, in some ways, relatively modest. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that tax collectors are not told to stop being tax collectors, they're told to stop extorting. Mm-hmm and that soldiers are not told to become pacifists, but they're told to do what they do justly. And so that in some ways, one of the commentators say, it's kind of a bourgeois ethic, which means that we do what we're going to do, but we do it with integrity and with justice. And that's a striking piece, which I've relates to some of the things we've been talking about, about our guests on Luke's audience, that these are, these are uh, maybe relatively comfortable people who are told to use their relative power in ways that are more just. What I love about it is uh, toward the very end, and I'm just gonna have to get the verse right, Um, Jesus says that John the Baptist has been preaching good news to the people um, and I'm puzzled that he thinks that all these kind of descriptions about what you're supposed to do to shape up your life is somehow good news. You got any clue what he means by that? I haven't found my verse. Have you got it? Mm, It'll I'm, come.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure of the precise verse, but uh, I think you're right that um, uh, what John is portrayed as preaching here is con- continuous with what Luke wants to inculcate as an important part of the gospel message.
2: Hmm. Um, and, the, and the gospel message is that you repent, Mm-hmm. You change, you become different, but your difference has some kind of continuity with what's gone before. Right. I want to shift to the,
1: uh, the story of uh, the baptism yeah, of fine. Jesus and uh, just uh, uh, make one kind of general comment that uh, in a lot of Luke we have important parallels in both Matthew and in uh, Mark. And sometimes we get a sense of what Luke is up to by comparing yeah. um, uh, his account yeah. with um, Matthew and Mark. Yeah. Um, What about the baptism of Jesus? Do you see anything uh, specific there that's um, uh, telling for what Luke is up to? Um, uh, So uh, let me preface it. So um, in Luke, what we have is a a gospel that's parallel in many ways to to Matthew and to... Uh, to Mark uh, as uh, three synoptic Gospels. They all tell a a lot of the same tales, uh, but Luke tells them in a very specific way sometimes. Is there something that we can say about Luke's um, uh, intention by looking, let's say, at the baptism of Jesus and uh, how he portrays it?
2: Well, I think in part he sees it as a public event and that what happens is the coming of the Spirit and the proclamation which is there for all the people not only for Jesus and not only for believers. And this will be echoed again in the transfiguration story where once again God speaks. Well, another point in, in Luke that we sometimes underestimate is what an important character God is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that while it's true, absolutely true that, that both Zechariah uh, and, and Mary proclaim what's going to happen to humankind, they're proclaiming what God is going to do, and at this case, God's own self speaks and says, all right, now I'm going to interpret this story for you. You, mm-hmm. Jesus, are my son, the beloved, and I take pleasure in you.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, so it's public, and it ties in with this theme of um, all flesh shall see Absolutely. the salvation of God Absolutely. from that uh, prophetic text earlier on, and then the genealogy of Jesus that uh, follows uh, that. The baptism story that brings things back to Adam, all the way to right. Adam. So oh, you've got a
2: universal story that begins right. at the very beginning. It does echo Paul at that point, where the story starts with Adam and goes to Christ. I think, mm-hmm. uh, in both Romans and First Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, along with that, uh, there's the fact that the Spirit descends on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And one of the striking things about Luke's gospel is the power of the Spirit. Time after time after time. So here the Spirit descends. We'll see in the sermon that comes a little later in the same passage about how the Spirit falls on Jesus at that point. The Spirit falls on the apostles at the, at the story of Pentecost. I, I was thinking when we, were, when we were getting ready for this, a hymn that I knew in my youth that was certainly uh, big among Baptists, Spirit of God, descend upon my heart, wean it from earth. And it seems to me that Luke's gospel is almost the opposite of that. Spirit of God, descend upon our hearts and send us out to all the earth. Mm-hmm. That the spirit is the empowering, not the separating one. It's the one that makes mission and community possible, not the one that I chase off in my, in my privacy. And, and a kind of counter to our sense that spirituality is what you do all by yourself. That holy spirituality is what you do in community for the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That sounds like a very Catholic theme. So. Um, that, my, my pleasure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> could, could we turn then to the uh, the text that you referred to uh, <laughs> in uh, Luke four, where Jesus comes to Nazar- Nazareth yeah. and gives his first sermon and talks about the Spirit? Um, what do you make of that uh, that passage? In-
2: well, I mean, first of all, to- he he both quotes a prophet and becomes a prophet, I think, at that point, that he's drawing on the text from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, which the prophet Isaiah, second Isaiah, certainly spoke of as self-referential, and now Jesus says, all right, one, I'm in that, I am in that line, I'm in the line of the prophets, but also, I think, once again, as with John the Baptist, I'm even more than that. I'm the one in whom that is not only uh, somewhat adumbrated, I'm the one in whom that is embodied, the fullness of that promise is is now embodied. A lot of people think that this is a promise for what's supposed to happen in the Jubilee year uh, when God lets free captives and pronounces good news to the poor. And Jesus, in some ways, is saying, all right, all those expectations about what God does in history are now fulfilled in my own person. I'm the one who does that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, are they f- fulfilled in some sort of political
1: program, do you think? I don't know. Mm-hmm.
2: I wish I knew. Mm-hmm. I, I think... Um, A great word that we toss around in New Testament classes is proleptic, which is that it begins now and it's yet to be fulfilled. And we don't, I think, in Luke's gospel get a full political program, but I think we get enough glimpses of the kingdom of God that people who have political concerns can say, all right, here's a vision of what our politics ought to work toward. I don't want to say uh, that politics are totally divorced from this vision. On the other hand, I don't think it's the Lucan party program. Some kind of tricky balance between those two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, well,
1: I think we have um, a hint at Luke's theology of the church.
2: Yeah. Okay. And I think
1: Luke sees uh, the the vision of the um, the year of lo- the Lord's favor being realized somehow in, in the church, this Christian in the community. Church, yeah. and that's why he goes on into Acts. And yeah. Well, and the, the, the Spirit comes again. That's absolutely right. no,
2: I think that's absolutely right. Uh, the other thing that strikes me about it is that, as with the prophets, Jesus gets rejected here. So once again, we see him as being, being one very much like the prophets, and he will talk about uh, the prophet not being welcome in his own community. And it's not, I thought at first, I mean, many times I've read this, and I assumed, okay, it's his presumption. They're annoyed because he says, all right, this is fulfilled in me, and they think, oh, my goodness, how presumptuous to think that he's the one in whom all this has come to pass. But it's not that, it's that he won't stick around and do miracles for them. They're annoyed because he's not cashing in on his own value at this point for them. And if, if I come to Yale Elementary School and announce I'm the Messiah, then I ought to raise a bunch of money before I leave, right? And I then, hope you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I knew you would. hope. Uh, and we all live in hope. Um, and and so there's there's this sense that somehow he's not for this group. He's not ready to to fulfill the expectations mm-hmm. they have. What's that about? Why does he? Mm-hmm. Why didn't he just stop and do two miracles in Nazareth before he heads out?
1: An interesting question, and I'm not sure I can give you an answer to that. Uh, There's another dimension to it, uh, as um, Jesus goes on to talk about uh, himself and um, his relationship to the prophetic tradition. He cites those prophets that had something to do with Gentiles. He does. He does. So he puts himself in that prophetic tradition, and he also sets up this uh, dichotomy that's so very important to Luke between Jew and Gentile. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we've heard the prophetic text already that all flesh is going to see exactly. the salvation of exactly. God. There's going to be a universal outreach, yeah. and that's going to be the story of Acts. Yeah. And Jesus is here... Already pushing some, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, pushing toward it and getting some yeah. pushback. Yeah. So we have an anticipation of that great theme that's going to run through Acts, yeah. the, the pushback against that universal message yeah. that uh, Paul encountered.
2: Well, I think, I think a theme we're going to see already in the Gospel, and, and people will see as they look at Acts, is does that mean that Israel is now excluded? Do we now move beyond... Nazareth and head for Athens, basically? Or is it the case that, that we, we come together, the kind of Pauline vision that Israel and the Gentiles will praise God together in the kingdom?
1: Right, sometimes Luke, I think, is being accused, is accused of being a supersessionist yeah. and uh, someone who rejects the, uh, the Israelite heritage. I think that's uh, uh, quite a, a misreading of Luke and the, the insistence throughout these first several chapters of, of
0: continuity
2: and salvation. Well, he can't tell the story without telling Israel's story, right. and he can't tell the story without Abraham. Mm -hmm. Thanks.
0: Yale University, in collaboration with the Tony Blair Faith Foundation, has created the Faith and Globalization Initiative, which examines the profound impact of religious faith in a world where political, economic, and social spheres are increasingly interconnected. These crucial issues of faith and globalization can hopefully, through open discussion and reflection, lead to the kind of reconciliation and peaceful coexistence that life in the 21st century demands.